Hi and welcome to a Better World at Food podcast. I am your host Marike Teunissen and in this five-part series I explore the latest projects on sustainability at VU Amsterdam. This podcast series is part of a Better World at VU project, which was launched in the summer of 2021. The main goal is to show projects that contribute to a more sustainable world, both near and far from VU Amsterdam. Projects that inspire, inform and motivate others that provoke thought and actions, projects that make a real difference. I've spoken to students and scholars who are shaping a sustainable future for you and me today. Episode 5 – Education for Everyone In this episode I talk to Esme Smitsen-Swain and Liedewij van der Vaart. Together with a group of 10 students, they are involved with Right to Education. It is their goal to give refugees an opportunity for education, because they firmly believe in equal opportunities for everyone. Stay tuned to find out more. I must do something. If I, di- if I don't, oh, if I can't, I'm nothing. Because what I think this is the last chance for me. Yeah. So welcome to you both, Liedewij and Esme. Esme, to start off with you, can you please tell me what we just heard? So that was Abdullah, one of Right to Education's guest students back in 2016. Um, he studied, I think, English classes with us and he actually went on and did an undergraduate degree at VU. Mm. So you're saying he did an English class with us. Who's us? Tell me a little bit more about yeah. Right to Education. Um, so Right to Education is a student-led initiative that offers language courses in Dutch and English for refugees and asylum seekers. We're mostly based in Amsterdam, but we take anyone from anyone who can come to our classes. You are listening to Esme Smitsen-Swain, a 20-year-old student at AUC, Amsterdam University College. She's from the UK and now lives in the Netherlands to study. Since a year and a half ago, she's been involved with Right to Education. First as a buddy, later as a teacher, and now she's part of the board of Right to Education. So what's the main goal of, of well, Right to Education? Right to Education was sort of set up on an observation that the integration process for refugees in the Netherlands wasn't really doing enough. Um, and so the goal is actually just integration. And it's about like building a community between students at the Dutch universities and our guest students and helping in a small way with the integration process in the mm. Netherlands. So why do you think this is so important? You're talking about integration, right? I think it's important because at the moment, some communities in the Netherlands have enormous gaps between refugees and even asylum seekers who are accepted into the Netherlands, their process is approved and they become legal refugees. Like that is actually just the beginning of a really long process Mm. from some of the stories that we're hearing and the process of settling in can can be really, really difficult. And I guess if you're Dutch and you've grown up in the Netherlands your whole life you have like family you have friends Mm. you have school you have social circles but you know once you arrive in the Netherlands you have no one. Can you tell me a little bit about something how you got involved in this project? So I was involved in a similar project I was like an assistant language teacher for an organization in the UK and I taught English a bit there I just worked Um, did some extra lessons with people. So it was always like two students at a time. And so when I came to AUC and I saw 
um, adverts about right to education. I just thought they were so exactly like what I'd done in England and really enjoyed that I wanted to get involved. Mm. So at first I was a buddy and then I became an English teacher and then I applied for the board position this year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, assuming you got it or... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lidewey, your colleague Esme was just talking about uh, uh, buddies and teachers. So what are the difference between those two? So as a buddy, you're part of a system where you're um, paired up with a guest student as, for instance, AUC or an UVA or a VU student, you can mm. sign up um, and you'll be a buddy pair and together you can kind of explore a friendship, you can explore the city together um, and there are weekly events that you can go to together. Mm. Um, so that's really the social aspect of our organization. Just like as you would go to a school or university, you make friends throughout your classes, mm. but also you kind of help like to integrate their events, you can go together. Um, That's really what it means to be a buddy. And to be a teacher, you're a teacher mm, in front of the class. Sense, yeah. you, teach, you teach for instance, English or Dutch, depending on well which one you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you're in a very different way, very engaged with the organization. This is Liedewey van der Vaart, a 21-year-old student at AUC, Amsterdam University College. She joined Ride to Education three years ago, first as a buddy, then buddy system coordinator and now as chair of Ride Your Education. But if you started out as a buddy, you can also maybe become a teacher. Yes, you can do both. Oh, you can Um, do both. Yeah. For the buddy, there's not a real full application process. There's not a very like a capped Mm. number of buddies. Um, We're just trying to make as many pairs as available. But for the teachers, there are a certain like limited number of classes. Um, so there's a whole application process to become a teacher. Mm. So yes, you can do both. But being a teacher is a bit more of an um, an engagement mm. and more responsibility yeah. than anybody. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. So you guys speak specifically about guest students, right? Yes. Instead of refugees. Can you please explain what, why that is? Yes. So Kind of in the name of othering, we don't want to be othering and Mm. kind of making a strong, harsh distinction between people. Because in the end of the day, (laughs) we're all students. Um, And um, also a lot of our guest students, they have different backgrounds and making one label for them. It's been really hard if you Mm. do that based on their like history. Mm. So guest students, I think is the most, I think, friendly term while still making clear who you're directing to Mm. in your speech. but still showing that, you know, they're students just like we are. So by othering, you mean uh, us versus them? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm guessing teaching is a bit of a challenge right now during this COVID times. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) as is already laughing. How do you handle that right now? So I was a teacher during COVID. I did all of my English teaching during COVID. And so it was all online. And in some ways that was quite difficult and it did have an effect on a lot of the social activities that are a massive Mm. part of our organization. Um, Teaching online was, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's many teachers who struggle with like teaching at the Mm. VU and AUC and stuff moving online is hard for all teachers, yeah. Um, But it also for us meant that we could really like increase the range of locations that our students were coming from. So even though it was really tough and it did come at a sacrifice to the social events and like that aspect of our community, It also meant that we could take people, we were taking people from Germany and people who were Mm. moving around and um, from all over, all over the place. And so that was an advantage and perhaps made it more accessible. But now we are trying to move back completely to in-person classes because it is, 
a massive aspect to the project, like yeah. having the community and the face-to-face -face connections. Mm. Yeah, because you were saying before you also organized these social events. Uh, yeah. Can you give me some examples of those? So this term we've had, we had a Halloween brunch. We've had some museum trips. We went to the Tropen Museum and the Anne Frank Museum. Um, we've had some some cafe afternoons. This weekend, where are we going? I can't remember. Again to the Anne Frank Museum. Again, it was <laughs> too popular. Very, <laughs> yeah, very yeah, generous, very but popular. there's a cap on the number of people allowed in the yeah. museum. Yeah. So, but they're very generous. They offered us free entrance. Oh, in really? Group. Yes. Yeah, so this weekend we're going there as well to the Amsterdam Light uh, Festival. Festival, yeah. 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 Um, so I think there's a whole diversity in like in the type of events. Also some sports events are being planned and dinners and yeah. So just to pay me a picture, how mm -hmm. many um, uh, st uh, student guests are usually involved in these kind of classes uh, or these events? Um, yes. Can you please tell us a bit yes. more about that? So um, I think generally we have a cap on the amount of students mm -hmm. in one classroom, um, which is 25 students per class. Mm -hmm. um, it is a bit hard to kind of always make sure that everyone who signs up also can be there every class, which means that not all the classes are through the year always completely full. Everyone has to be able to come to Amsterdam to follow them in real life, which is a bit of a challenge after COVID, getting mm. people to go outside again, basically. Um, and um, but that's so we have five courses running in eight week periods, twice a semester. And for the events, we um, we try to host events that are accessible for as many people as possible. Mm. Um, but in reality, it depends on the event, how popular it is, what day it is planned, if it's dark outside, whether people feel yeah, safe to travel course, back yeah. home alone. Yeah. So there are a number of factors that influence how many people come. Yeah. But to paint you a picture, I think before COVID, we had big events where there were like maybe 30 people with the Anne Frank Museum. They were like 20 people because that was the number of, you know, allowed people in the museum. But sometimes there are smaller groups, maybe 10. So it, it really varies. Yeah, it varies, yeah. So and how does the average classroom uh, of right education look like? Yeah, so we always have two teachers in every classroom. Um, this is mostly so they can help each other. Um, mm. You know, their students, they go through a teacher training process, but really this is the first time they've ever taught a class. Mm. So um, we find that good for everyone. So we have two teachers and about 20 students and the guest students really come from everywhere. We have a policy of, uh, well, quite a generous acceptance policy on people's status. So a lot of other organizations in the Netherlands only allow people whose asylum uh, permit has been accepted mm. or um, people who have a refugee passport. And we don't have that criteria because we wanted to have our classes open to mm. anyone who needed them. So we have people who have been living in the Netherlands for years. Mm. We have people who are asylum seekers living in asylum seeker centers and we have everything in between. Um, a lot of a lot of the guest students that come to us come from places like the, the Netherlands, like big five unsafe countries mm. like Syria, Afghanistan, Eritrea. Um, we also have a lot of guest students who don't come from those five countries, which makes it much harder to access resources. So if you're a refugee from Turkey, you're not eligible for the same standard municipal language mm. classes and organizations because it's not deemed an unsafe country. Yeah. So we have a lot of refugees from places like that as well. Yeah, because they um, they can f join uh, classes uh, other, uh, at other places because the, the, the criteria is, is different. Yeah, it's just a different process yeah. if you come from a safe okay. or an unsafe country. Mm, it's okay. a very different process. And you don't make that uh, difference, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, uh, and, and your teachers, um, I can imagine you also have to, um, uh, have to have a, a amount of knowledge and also, <laughs> you know, like the it's teaching is also an expertise, right? Uh, do yeah. you have an education for them or how does this work? So we, um, our teachers are native speakers, but they actually come from all over the world, especially the English teachers, mm. uh, English native speakers who've grown up in, in Singapore and Australia and the UK and yeah. all over the place. Um, and the training process is done by volunteer teachers from other universities, I think, Ufa, a lot of them come from, and they go through a teacher training process. They have meetings and they have um, lectures about how to be a good teacher and things like that. And then when they start off teaching, they're very guided through the process mm. and they have a lot of mentors and they have supervisors who are checking in regularly. If I may add one more thing to that, I think for a lot of teachers who start off, it may be, it may feel a bit like a jump in the deep end. Mm. Um, so. What I hear from st hear from stories is that many they had a steep learning curve in their mm -hmm. teaching like abilities, um, <clears throat> but in the end of the day you do le learn by doing. So yeah. after a couple of weeks you kind of see how they all found their groove in teaching. Yeah, yeah. but there is a training program and then yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what are the um, the main ex experience from your student guests? How do they experience this program? It's hard to say. I think there's a massive variety in people because there's a massive variety in the reasons that people come to write to education in the first place. Some people come over and over and join course after course and every single social event yeah. for years on end and they actually still come back to the social events even though they did our courses in 2018 and 17 <laughs> and that's really lovely. Yeah. Some people join for one language class and then after that they have to move yeah. and they can't come anymore. So we have a big variety and even though the social aspect is a massive part of it for us we're not going to insist on it you know yeah. and we want our classes to be there for people that need them in the way that they need them yeah and so for us it's okay yeah it's not an obligation. however however involved people want to get yeah is, of course it's good yeah so you were both buddies right um did you make any friends uh, from this program yes i definitely did i became a buddy in my first year and um the buddy that um, i was set up with at the time um I was a little bit intimidated, I'm not going to lie, because we had a bit of an age difference. Um, but we found out very quickly that we both loved movies. Mm. So we started off also because language is a barrier, but movies, you know, they can yeah, kind yeah. of combine people yeah. together, which is really great. So we watched a lot of great movies together and um, his like language learning took off really quickly. And soon I noticed he was able to understand much more in Dutch, but also in English. Um, and we were able, like, able to go for walks and coffees and just talk much more. We went ice skating, for instance. And that was really like, like a wholesome friendship. Um, and then he got his status, which is really great. And we kind of celebrated that, which is really nice, like a friendship, really. Oh, wow, yeah. But um, in, in the best way possible, I think being involved in rights education is, is a bit of a phase. So it is like with a friendship, it, it can last forever if you want to, but it doesn't have to be. Like it is a phase in the best way possible. Um, so that also happened to us. So we had a like a contact for maybe a year and a half or so. And then also because of COVID became much harder to keep in contact together. Um, and his like his life changed a couple of times very drastically. 
Um, also, sometimes in the best way possible, he got a different job and moved. We did see each, each other a little bit less, and at some point, that's okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it yeah. was good at that moment and yeah. important at that moment. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. so that was my buddy specifically, but also during events. Um, in my first year when I was involved, we didn't really struggle with COVID because it wasn't there mm. yet. So <laughs> makes sense. A luxury, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but that also meant that we were able to meet much more people because mm. it was less. Restrictions, Restrictions. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, I also met a lot of people from my own university and who were in different ways involved that I made friends with. And how about you? Um, I actually made more friends with the students that I taught my classes to. Mm. I think because there's not always a big age gap, it can be quite a nice like classroom environment. Um, and I stayed talking to quite a lot of them for a while after. Um, and yeah, we have some really nice stories from the buddy program and um, one of um, a student I know at Amsterdam University College is really, really close friends with his buddy. And I see the two of them walking down the street every mm. week, which is like really lovely to yeah. see, um, to be involved in the organization and to see that people are getting something out of it. So um, what what would you say your biggest achievements of, or not your big, biggest achievements, but the biggest achievements of right to education are so far? I guess a really nice part of it is how um, keen other people are to be involved and how happy people are mm. when they hear about it and how much time other people are willing to give to it and give us opportunities to like share the message. I mean, we're here now. Yeah. Um, but also I think they gave a speech at the at a UN conference in 2016. Oh, wow. um, and we've had people from the Red Cross reach out. And so some things like that have been really, really, um, they're really nice moments yeah. when people want to get yeah. involved and they want to be a part of it and they like what, we're doing so even though that's almost a small achievement just other people wanting to be involved i think that's a really yeah a really nice part it's of it it's a big yeah. achievement and yeah. i think what also is really nice to see is the impact that you can have mm. so from seeing someone who doesn't understand a word of dutch to having a fully like self-written resume in dutch like making no mistakes yeah. which is really impressive um and i think that's just so nice that yeah. you can see those kind of the um, results exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that's a great achievement so um if any of our listeners are uh interested in follow a course with you or know someone who, who might be um interested uh in it where can they apply for this all of the information is on our website mm. and we have the application form on the website as well so students can sign up directly through the application form or there's a mailing list that they can join or if they have any questions or just want to get involved on a different level you can reach out to us we have Instagram, Facebook, email. We have all the standard social media. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and we're always happy when people reach out. It means um, a lot to us to know that people are interested. Yeah. Well, I will. I will put uh, your website on the in the show notes, and of course, all your social media accounts, so <laughs> uh, then people can find it. And of course, there might be people interested in teaching. Uh, is there also somewhere they can apply, or is it also your website? Yes. Yeah, so for teaching, so far we usually use our social media, such mm. as Facebook and Instagram to promote and show where they can sign up. Um, but that goes into specific periods of time, so that's not year round that you can apply for that. Um, so if anyone is interested, I would say follow us on Instagram or Facebook, whatever you have, um, and keep an eye out on, on what we post and when. Um, but anyone could join, yes. Uh, so finally, when are you happy regarding this project? When can you go to sleep thinking, yeah, we did it, our job is done? <laughs> I think that's a really tough question because in the kind of world that like we want to move towards what right to education does wouldn't really be necessary. And so 
the process of like refugee integration is an enormous process and it's happening worldwide. And mm. we are a team of what, 10 people and we're a community of, of more, but we are actually just doing our best to, to help strengthen that community mm. and to make integration better for the people that we can reach. But it, it can be frustrating. Um, like sometimes we're drowning in bureaucracy and there's mm. so many limiting factors for our students and they can't travel to classes and no one's paying for classes and they can't, no one's paying for travel to classes, mm. sorry. And they can't, they're moving around and they're not allowed to work if their asylum seekers permit hasn't been accepted. And so we have loads of factors like that that make it difficult for us to put on classes and difficult for people mm. to reach our classes. So I guess when we would be able to go to sleep thinking, yeah, we, we've done it would be, oh, I don't know if there'd ever be a day because like, <laughs> what can we as, as 10 people do to complete the process? We can't, but we can, feel good about those moments of connection that we have where it feels like we've built a good community mm. and where we connect with other people and those are nice moments but i never feel like we've done it <laughs> and i think maybe something to add there is i think uh, motivating and inspiring each other is already a big factor so maybe it's not complete we're not fully done by the end of the day it does contribute to like work in progress if that makes sense yeah of course yeah. You, you made a difference right so well, thank you guys so much and uh, good luck with the project. Um, it was really nice talking to you. That was it for today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A Better World at VU podcast is hosted by me, Marieke Teunissen. Editing was by Stefan Kollaert of the Podcastfabriek. And of course, a special thanks to our guests of today. Don't forget to check out the link in the show notes for more information about A Better World at VU. Thank you for listening.